Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics. We took a bit of a break, Dave. Bit of a break, bit of two week hiatus. You were, too, we you, did, were yeah. you were busy. I was, I was, I was busy. <laughs> I wasn't busy at all. Well, no, I was busy. To be fair, you were busy starting a business, and I was busy. Well, I'm not starting paper. a business. I'm, I'm, I'm the back end. I'm not starting the business. Your partner is after starting yeah, the business. She is. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the uh, no, it's been a very, very busy. And the last week was just out celebrating the uh, Leo or Hall or whoever's in charge these days. That <laughs> the pubs are reopening. Oh yeah, good man. Good yeah. man. Yeah. Good news. It is actually starting to open up a little bit. And I know you're fed up with me saying that. Ah, uh, the restriction. The restrictions now are. I was like, I was down around the Docklands there on Saturday. And so there was no lockdown. Might as well have been in, in, in Taramalinas. Um, I've seen every bit of sun there down on the, the, the Keys in Cork. Um, the amount of people out, you know, with their... I'm actually amazed. They're all drinking out of um, unbranded cups, but I actually want to know where they're getting them. They're not normal-sized cups. They're not see-through cups. They're like big, white, pint-sized cups. Yeah, I don't know but where they're see, never seen the, them before. None of the alcohol brands want their brand on them because and obviously also we're not what, meant to be drinking. I and mean, the pubs don't want to know... Who's supplying, or in terms of you know, they don't want to be the one seen to be supplying everyone. Oh, yeah, as well. 100, oh, 100%. Like, yeah, yeah, the, but, the importance of unbranded. Like, it's but it's definitely, um, I think I even heard a fact or a figure today that's down on last week or the last two weeks. Um, the, the PUP, uh, uh, the pandemic payment has been seriously dropped in terms of figures, like in Tony and the hundreds of thousands in the next couple of weeks is going to start dropping off because people are starting to go back to workplace, they're starting to open back up. You know, I've even heard that people are starting to plan and going back into the office again, you know, and, and the thing is people don't want to go back into the office. A lot of people are enjoying working at home. No, I think a lot of people do want to go back into the office. I think do you want to go back to the office? Absolutely. Get me back into my office. No. A hundred percent. Why though? What? Like, well, I suppose it's different for you though because there's a good bit of atmosphere around the college, I suppose, as well. Like, you know, oh yeah, like I work in the best place in the world. Like UCC is a great campus to work on. Like if I was going back into a... Will I pull, will I pull that bit out and just make sure it advertise towards <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the boss yeah. in UCC but like bit. I mean but I mean look ultimately right I think I think there's a fundamental difference in the type of work that people do at home and the different generations and how they can fare at home so for example if you're at home and you've made your money you've got a nice house out in the countryside you've got your own home office um then working at home is probably a gift for you. You're probably working a lot less. You can balance um, work-life balance a lot more with your partner and so on and so forth. Um, you're if you're a bit younger, you want to go into work to socialise with people. Mm. You want to go for a couple of pints after work. You want to meet people. Um, you don't want... And as well as that too, like if you take um, you take my office environment, my, my office is in my bedroom. Yeah, I don't want to be working in the same place like that I'm sleeping do you know what I mean there's no a, break like do you know that's probably a luxury probably there's some people some people's probably like Harry Potter under oh, there's some people. oh no there's some people and I've seen it like um, lecturing and stuff like that and they've nowhere to lecture because yeah. their partner is possibly um, is possibly working in the same place and it's very, it's very hard to get the job done like do you know what I mean so no I think there's there's depending on the type of work that you're doing and depending on your wealth and depending on what generation you are what stage of your life you're at working from home is great and to be honest with you like I was talking to a guy Recently enough, the guy runs a kind of a 75 million plus business, has done for years, started off going, this is a disaster, I'm not going to be able to keep an eye on my employees, yeah. I like going into work, and he loves it, absolutely loves working from home, spends more time with his family, kids, and so on and so forth, so there's a lot of people who do enjoy it, but I think there is a lot of people screaming to get back into work, and I think, like someone said it, um, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Pat Phelan actually tweeted it a couple of um, days ago, is that are we working from home or are we living at work? Yeah. And that there's a lot, no shut off. There's point. no shut off. Yeah, and, I even f- and I even find myself now that before, if it hit seven or eight o'clock and one of the lads said, oh yeah, do you want to go for a drink? I'll just go, yeah, whatever, I'll finish this tomorrow. Whereas if I'm at home, I'm just working because yeah. there's nothing, there's only so much Netflix that you can burn through yeah. on any given night. You and know as what you I mean? said, someone that's in, you know, maybe shared accommodation where 
you know, it's not your, it's not that it's, your, it's not your own house in terms of you know you're not wandering around or different rooms or you have a room that you can lock. You know, as you said, you're in shared accommodation, so your office is in your your room or whatever. You know, and you're kind of just confined to that room unless you're going down for a cup of tea, basically. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, no, I, I am looking forward to getting back to the pubs and I'm looking forward to getting back onto campus. <laughs> Plenty to look forward to. Exactly. Um, the last episode we did, we had Mr. Ryan on. Um, no, that was a long time ago. It's a lot, it's a lot happened to, since then. We've come, we've come through a pandemic <laughs> since then. <laughs> trying to remember back that far, but uh, no, it was a really, really good chat with Stephen. And you know, I could probably speak for both of us in terms of we always enjoy chatting to Stephen because um, you know, it's we're all kind of on the same page, I suppose, in terms of what we're doing locally and marketing and stuff. So it's always good to chat to Stephen. I can speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. To be fair, what's great about talking to Stephen is that sorry, we do work. The, yeah, the, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. What what um what I love talking about Stephen is about is that Stephen was part of that, and I hate the phrase, but that kind of digital revolution where there was a big transfer of where companies were investing their resources in terms of traditional media, PR, billboards, bus shelters, newspaper advertising, television advertising, into digital. And then he went to the second wave of that, then where it was still digital, but moved from kind of more organic into more emphasis being placed on paid. So yeah. going through, and like I do a session on it with my students every year, it's usually the first class with the, with the final years and with the master's students, where just doing a case study on how much things have changed mm. in the last 10 years and it's important that we kind of as marketers strategically think about not just what is important in the here and now but what's happening into the future and i would always say that like if you if you're a brand where you're going to be targeting kind of gen z you're going to be talking about the younger millennial market you should be absolutely hammering tiktok at the moment there's not a lot of brands on it there's not a lot of brands doing a lot on it but if you can build an audience now before it's saturated, you're going to have a huge competitive advantage in a year, 18, two years time when everyone else is trying to get on it, but they yeah. can't because the whole thing is saturated. So I do enjoy um, listening to Stephen and the different roles that he's had and always as a marketer, but how those roles have completely been changed over the last even 10 years, you know? Yeah, no, true. Um, so go listen to that episode. Get our ad revenue up. I want to <laughs> revenue. Re ad, rev ad revenue up. What did you not see the, the loan application that went in last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. We'll, we'll be moving into a new studio. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully we will. Yeah. Soon. Soon. So tell us what kind of news popped up for you maybe this week. Uh, before we get on to news, I think there was one thing that I just, felt, I just found very very interesting for people who are interested in kind of marketing and stuff like that. There's a new documentary on Hulu. Which is obviously not um, available in the Republic of um, Ireland. Never but you on can, what? Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, so it's the Ameri American version of Netflix, okay, basically. The um, so, no, those are Hulu. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was a chair. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so basically, it's a documentary about a company called WeWork. Now, anyone who doesn't know the story about WeWork, watch this documentary. It is the... It's, it's the absolute definition of having a company that has a very, very strong brand but no substance whatsoever behind the business model supporting that brand. And this brand or business basically grew to being um, about a $49 billion valuation. And in the space of a number of weeks, that collapsed down to $10 billion when they were going for their IPO and people started looking at the business going, this doesn't make any sense. Like usually when you're looking at a valuation of a company, you do it based on... Um, uh, EBITDA which is basically earnings before depreciation tax so on and so forth so this they were creating their own metrics so it was like community adjusted EBITDA which is this idea that we're going to take all of the expenses out of the profitability ratios that we're showing to people because community is an intangible part of our brand insane stuff altogether and if you just look at the like at the start they had quite a good business model because it's all about co-working basically mm. it was the first real company to get into the kind of co-working space in a major way after um, Regis but they kind of really kind of latched onto this whole tech startup entrepreneur freelance kind of culture that came with Fiverr and all these kind of companies as they started to emerge and it's an incredible like the, like the the CEO is basically the definition would be like a financial psychopath <laughs> like had absolutely no grasp on business concept whatsoever and again this very very iconic figure very very well spoken you'd follow him into battle kind of a thing mm. but he was running this business that was built on sand effectively and it's just the story of this incredible collapse of a business and he walked away 1.7 billion dollars as a payoff from SoftBank and their vision fund who basically bought out WeWork for want of a better um, for want of a better phrase so 
it's a really really interesting story of just a chaotic business and a chaotic business model but still grew to 49 billion dollars in valuation and we know from looking at the hype around um, cryptocurrencies tech startups which are far overvalued um, the likes of uber still losing six billion dollars a year and still worth whatever 64 billion you know mm. these incredible stories of if you have tech or you're associated with tech your valuation just far eclipses the, the old style of how we would value businesses has gone out the window effectively so fascinating um fascinating documentary so i'd recommend people read it um so, or watch so, it so send in a direct message and you give them the old dodgy link is it oh yeah oh, 100, oh every day of the week no problems at all <laughs> or you can join my sorry no i can't say no, that i do that. not give my students legal materials to watch um <laughs> disclaimer but there was one like just to give a sense again just one story that came out of the documentary which i thought was just incredible so they had um a town hall where they basically laid off 7% of the overall workforce, the global workforce. And at the end of the town hall, they basically said, and now to celebrate us cutting these costs, there's a free tequila bar <laughs> waiting for you, and here's Run DMC. Like, it was fucking That's incredible. the kind of company you want to oh, incredible, be from. <laughs> incredible. Someone said, someone said it that the company culture was like fire festival that worked mm. for the first couple of years before it went absolutely off the rails I know entirely. I'm way it's behind fast. I still have yet to watch that one I haven't oh, watched it's incredible. it yet. you're only about three years behind I know yeah share. really yeah I'll it's, send it's, you gone too, it's gone too late I'll send, I'll send you the illegal links on as well. yeah. um, I think something we both kind of copped on uh, during the week was the the Cantar um, Cantar basically you know for anyone who doesn't know basically the best way of describing Cantar, Dave. They have a, <laughs> they have a. So basically, Cantar, one of the big, the world's biggest kind of market research insights yeah, firms, research. um, and they basically have the Cantar Creative um, Effectiveness Awards, and this year it was run, it was um, won by Heineken, run and robbed, robbed by every other company. For anyone that has not seen it, watch it. I think is look, it's a grand advert. Do I think it's? I thought it was very clever. No, do I think it's I worthy really of what was the title it got? What was the the was there a specific? It basically got best ad of the year. Creative effect, yeah, yeah, it's the best yeah. ad of the year. Yeah, 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 it's not like it's it's basically. By publicist was their agency. No, I think so. Basically, it was going down the route of um, was Rever- rever- reversing gender stereotypes. Rever- yeah, yeah, so, so they had this scenario whereby there was a there was um, uh, there'd be a girl, bl- a, a, girl the a girl and a guy at the bar, and the waiter would come out with a big kind of a cocktail and then a bottle of Heineken, give the bottle of Heineken to the bloke and the cocktail to the woman, and then they'd swap them. And the same thing would come out, you know, a salad would come out, it would automatically give it to the no, woman, no, no, and no, then no, they'd no, split no. it and all the, the rest of it. The bottle and the cocktail drink came out about 10 times. It was just the same thing over and over, and you just know after the first one, you know what's going to happen. And then they kind of done the roll the credits thing, and then they done the salad with the burger yeah. at the end of it. But I just thought, look, yeah, it's granddad. I just didn't think it was worthy of the best ad. But of the it's year. A, but it's lower, but it's lowest common denominator, right? Like, I mean, if you look at one of the main things in pop culture at the moment, it is the gender stereotype thing. Now we're all sick to death of it, and the kind of politically correct culture and all the rest of it. Um, but ultimately, what some of these brands and Heineken are very very good at it is that. They take something which everyone's talking about at any particular moment in time and they turn it into a relatively humorous kind of an ad and they push it out. But all of a sudden people are interested because one, it's Heineken doing it. Whereas if you had a local brand, you had a kind of a middle, they're they're copycatting stuff. Whereas because it's Heineken, they've got so many ad dollars behind it. That's really, really effective in terms of what they're trying to do. So I thought in terms of, in terms of like, I mean, if you look at beer ads in general and we remember the Carlsberg ads from back in the day, which were brilliant. Mm. Uh, the kind of the man fridge and the um, the best apartment or housemates was, was, in the was world. Was it Carlsberg done the, 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 the Irish abroad basically and the Irish speaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that them? I think was that, that them? was them, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Clue of or Colleen yeah. Banya, yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. Cockamidish. Yeah, that's it. But, um, <laughs> but like a lot of like beer branding has gotten really, really boring recently and mm. I just thought that was it. It was an interesting portrayal and it was a simplistic, yeah, but simplicity is good because people need to understand it. Yeah. A lot of brands overcomplicate their message and because of that, they win loads of awards at Cannes and all these festivals because you know the film critics love it but the actual consumer doesn't like well, it or they don't understand that's it. a different side that's more down the ads in terms of the the long form content probably in terms of the more story storytelling kind of adverts do you know that, that's doing that kind of, yeah, but that's what we yeah. talked about here before that a lot of ads are a lot of brand and content is going that way do you know it's only kind of these kind of companies that are still pumping out the the 20 30 second little adverts and getting a clear message in there 
Yeah, I know, but I think for them it's more... I think we get very marketing commentators, and we're all probably guilty of it. We're very guilty of saying, like, or being binary. This is right, and this is wrong, yeah. and this is the way marketing should go. In reality, it all depends on your business model, your target consumer, what channels you're good at. Like, Heineken are already one of the biggest brands in the world. All they need to do is maintain awareness and the identification that people have with their brand like I mean I remember speak being at a talk a number of years ago with the managing director from Heineken mm. and he basically now it was, a, it was a marketing conference like so he wouldn't say this normally but he basically said Heineken is a marketing company who happens to sell beer like mm. th- that's what th- that's what they are so their whole mission same Coca-Cola Coca-Cola is a marketing company yeah, yeah. who happens to sell cola so like I mean the the them keeping brand re- recognition and awareness and like look with a lot of SME startups um, outside of that kind of corporate world, you're basically looking to maintain your market share or increase it by like not point one percent a year. Actually, it's different. It's a different world. Like I can't remember who was having the conversation. It was only a week or two ago, and someone was saying like, you know, when it comes to as you said, the likes of Heineken or Coca Cola or in Nike or any of these, Nike I should say. I was saying Nike, uh, Nike. What's the point? There basically there was the kind of what's the point in them advertising? Like everyone knows who they are. Like you know, we kind of had this conversation about as you just said there. You know about keeping the brand aware, but you know becoming the the number one choice when people go out. Like you know, and there is an argument. You know, should they do as much as they're doing? But yes, ah, well, they're, they're for identity brands. It's important. For Nike, it's really important. It like is. we've seen since they started the social justice stuff, their it's market share again, is, like, is yeah. really really after improving their sales are improving so I think, again it depends on the environment there but again I, but it was just I, it was an interesting conversation in terms of from a person uh, this person in particular was was not involved in, in business or marketing or anything like that and they were just looking from a customer point of view and they were like I'm sure everyone knows Coke like what's the point in them even putting out an ad you know it was that kind of conversation that they were having like you know it was interesting to hear what they were saying like you know yeah but it's the difference between it's not that everyone knows it or not it's that when you walk up to the fridge and you're met with coke and pepsi which one do you pick exactly and that's what i was saying yeah it's about keeping it in in the eyes of the the public basically yeah, yeah. yeah brand awareness so um in terms of you're talking about logos and stuff there um during the week I when was i talking about logos you we, just made that no, up i said we were just talking about logos and brand and all that i didn't get to finish it by the way I just sent you on uh, before we started there. I sent you on a couple of logos to have a look at. Oh, fuck's sake. This is this is one Homework you can this is one you can participate in at home. <laughs> press press the red button. Press no. the red button. No, I just thought it was fun. I was actually listening to um, Dermot and Dave on Today FM during the week, and they were talking about. I know in a couple of weeks we're hopefully going to have someone on in terms of uh, branding and design, but they were talking about kind of hidden messages that you might have never seen in a couple of logos before. I'm not sure if you've seen this one. So I'll start off with kind of the basic one that we all probably know and seen. So Amazon, do you know what basically what they're showing with the arrow there? So anyone that's looking at it, so it's easy. It's easy. I knew that one anyway. That was okay. Go on to the Toblerone one. Then. This one blew my mind. So Toblerone logo, the famous chocolate bar. Yeah. Have a look in the mountain there. Do you see the bear? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the yeah. I've yeah. never seen that before, and that that blew my mind. I can't look at it the same again now. And the FedEx one, there's a little secret arrow between the E and the X. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen these before. Don't, and you, I thought le- this don't was, you lecture marketing. I thought right? this was outstanding. For God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> my mind They're the after, the FedEx logo was after changing. They changed that. Well, a couple of weeks changed, ago. Did they? They've changed a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Great I job. thought this one was a shit one, but basically the Toyota logo there that I sent you, all the letters, it, it, it kind of, it's meant to be the way it was made up, but basically the logo has all the letters are in that icon of Toyota. Um, I didn't really see it and there was another one then it was the famous the famous Domino's logo the story behind it was that so there's one and there's a two basically number one number two in the Domino when they opened the first store they done one then they opened the second store and you know it was number two and then they were going to do three and four and obviously they blew up and they couldn't do it anymore but that was basically where the Domino effect came from no it's it's it it, logo like logos to me are Logos to me are very, very interesting. I think people some sometimes can overemphasize the importance of a logo. Mm. Um, partic- again, when you're talking about the icon, forget about the iconic ones, Nike and all. Forget about them, right? It's just um, insane shit all together. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, like the logo is important depending on what you are. So if you take Gym Plus Coffee, for example, their logo is really really important because it's on the clothes that yes. people are going to wear it's an identity based brand without having the name kind of it's exactly. associated yeah. whereas if you take 
Irish Life Health describe their logo. I can't think. Having of a clue. Yeah, exactly. Having a clue. And it's the same with the majority of like like if you're wearing something, um, th- then it becomes really really important. Mm. Or if it's a consumer package good brand where again it, the identification is really really important, then then the logo stands out. But I think people over egg sometimes the importance of the the importance of the logo. Like I mean I, even the. I think once it becomes like as you said there, you mentioned Jim Plus Coffee, and we'll come on to them in a minute, but it's no matter what the logo is yes there has to be a bit of design a bit of talk gone into it and creativity and uniqueness um, but in terms of whatever it is you make that what it is you you make that associate with your brand you yeah know? yeah so but that's very it important. needs to be it needs to be contextual against the the um, against the comp- competitive space that you're operating in right so for example I'm going to plug one of your brands here now at the moment Velo right one, one of my brands yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> sorry your one brand yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the moment so if you look at um, coffee as a category yes all of the packaging is dark brown yeah. purple brown, black red etc yeah. etc ye went for white and blue yeah immediately ye stand out on the shelf and people are going to pay attention to what you are if you were just called if you were called Velo Coffee and it was the same black bag black, yeah. it's going to be very very hard for you to differentiate yourselves against your nest cafes of this yeah. world who are just dominant in that particular space so similarly if you like there's a a meat brand that I'm involved that I'm involved with, and again what you're looking at is if this brand was put in a in a fridge or in a shelf next to all of the other competing products would they stand out and would it draw the eye one and then once it draws the eye is there something there that is going to make that brand stand out over your competitors that allow you to capture market space so like the logo is important nothing is not important but it's the overall logo within the context of again the business and i'm sure people are sick of me saying this because it's basically like a non-answer for every question but just looking at a logo and saying oh yeah that's a nice logo without looking at where that logo is going to be yeah. placed or where it's going to sit in packaging or whether it's going to be on clothing or where it's going to appear and what's it going to appear against it's kind of a bit of a dud conversation because the majority of logos that you see are fine do you mm. know what i mean there's nothing going to stand out there's nothing iconic about them but they're not that bad either so it's the overall context of the business that you need to kind of look at and need to analyze mm. there's a lot of work goes in at the start into creating it but as you said like some of the some of the little niggly bits of them can be overthought so it's about what you do with it when you get the end product yeah like i think like i know we're getting paul in in a couple of weeks time but like i mean i get i bring paul into my students every year and in fairness to paul paul without giving away the goat somewhat but i mean he talks about when you're talking about constructing your brand identity it's all about your mission your purpose how that is then disseminated through content logo so again people often i mean it's the classic you ask someone oh what's a brand or brand's a logo Mm. no it's not like do you know what i mean it's so much more than that yeah it it has grown from that i think it was what which one of them is it um a brand is not it's not just a product it was Jeff Bezos thing wasn't it your brand is not your it's not a product on the shelf anymore it's basically it's about the stories you tell and all that kind of that stuff sick, that was sick yeah I think I mixed two of them there you but mixed up two bald fellas when did, you mix, when did you mix up me I could have said that I'm bald <laughs> no I'm not, I'm not no we're not that far ahead yet but uh, <laughs> but no it is it is more about the content the stories you tell um, do you know and then looking at today's way of marketing you know we already talked there maybe about Stephen in terms of moving from traditional into to digital but it is literally the whole brand whatever platform you sit on or whatever avenues you use that it all ties into the same style the same imagery the same you know the, the colors the feels whatever it is you know it all has to tie in but you mentioned there about um gym plus coffee and i think they're they're up there in terms of that's what i was going to bring up yeah um they've uh mr one direction now uh investing in them which was oh that's some scoop like fair play to lads it was out of nowhere it was literally just literally they just launched a video with Niall Niall Horan walking in sitting on a chair and going I think he just just went hell yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that was it like (laughs) but I think it was it's a great it's an unusual it's not that it's an unusual move um, but I think it's a great move for it I think it's genius it's absolute like I don't I don't I know like I know the guys I've heard them speak I don't know them personally professionally or anything like that but I mean one of the hardest things to do now when you're going up against your your Under Armour and your your Nike and your Mm. Adidas and like I mean this whole idea I mean they did Business 101 which was what's the new and up and coming product category it was leisure wear which is kind of your combination with sport and kind of casual 
really really clever concept of the gym like the gym and coffee they don't they don't, they don't have anything to do with fitness they don't sell coffee yeah, as they classically say but it it, encapul- it encapsulates that whole idea that people want to associate their lifestyles with now I kind of want to keep myself fit but I'm a bit social as well I don't want to be a complete yeah. gym bunny but I don't want to be um I don't want to be just a complete social animal either. I want but to be somewhere in between. But what I like is they built that, you know, and they use the word, they built that community without having any physical place. You know, they only started doing the pop-up shops. You know, they have a fixed location now in Manhattan, but they started doing the pop-up shops. They started doing the hikes and the walks and stuff after nearly. They did, know? but I mean, well, what's incredibly impressive, like if they, I can guarantee you, if they went to any consultant in the country and they said, we want to open up retail, physical retail, Every it's consultant laughing. would have said, you are insane. Yeah. You have got a good brand here and you're about to kill it. And they've made it, abs- they, it they've completely flipped it. It's they're, the Apple side of things. They're, they're, people are going in, they're feeling the quality of the product. Yes. They're getting a sense of the place. And then they've got their brand. I know you said community and stuff like that. To be fair, they are one of the few brands out there that I would say do actually have a bit of a community yeah. following with them. And then to take, like, if you're getting Nile Horn involved, like, they've taken that from a kind of a, a pseudo international brand to a major oh, major yeah. player like at the minute like all he has to do is just put out a post about well, I saw, them and he, sales he, from he, it he like, has like know. 44 million followers yeah. on twitter that's like, all he has to do is put out million. one post Incredible. but they, they're only launched um, like like in fairness in a short space of time they're only launched in 2017 and even early days they got um, Brian O'Driscoll on um, as big difference now between Brian O'Driscoll no, and Nile Horn and how, like, <laughs> there is sake. but what I'm saying is early doors they went in and they got you know, it probably wasn't cheap to get him on board, but they got him on as a bit yeah. of a brand. I think it was it was an unusual title. It was like community development or something. It was it was community that kind of ambassador or something, something like, that, like yeah. that. Yeah, but but to get someone of his nature on very very early drove them. Even that got yeah. him a lot of publicity at the start. Like you know, I don't know if he's still involved in it, but but um, no, this is a major move. For we'll them ask them. We'll ask them on the show. Maybe they'll ask bring Nile on. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually interesting. If, if it was about a year ago, I think you were there. I was on a panel talk with the two lads, and just hearing their stories about, um, you know, about starting. It was actually on myself, the two lads, and Stephen Ryan. It was great crack. <laughs> but, the car community is really big, isn't it? <laughs> sick. But uh, we got yeah. They were talking all about um, but starting up, and 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 as you said, like you know, about should they and shouldn't they go down the re- retail route and stuff like that. But I think it's one of the things I'm actually annoyed about. I'm not annoyed about, but I'm waiting for it to open. Is I ne- I. I don't like the whole idea of shopping online for clothes. You know, I liked, as you said, going in, feeling, touching, seeing them, trying them on. Like, you know, it just hasn't something that hasn't took off with yeah, me. Shopping for jeans online's a pain. It is. So, like, I think that's something that no matter how much culture changes in terms of online shopping, you're always going to need a physical store. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, like, people kept on talking about this big digital revolution and if you're not online, blah, blah, blah. Before the pandemic, digital penetration across all retail was only at, like, 10% or mm. something. Like, it was re- now it's up it's up towards in 30 30-35% now I don't have the stats off the top of my head but like there ha- like I mean this move towards digital it is important for brand building and e-commerce and stuff like that but I mean the amount of shift towards digital is often overstated um, in particular product categories and that's food is the error not food um, uh, clothing is definitely one of them mm. um, jumping back a couple of weeks ago moving on to the next topic uh, we said we were going to send an email off to someone. Uh, we were going to invite Mr. Trump onto the podcast. Unfortunately, he hasn't come back to us. He didn't fucking respond. <laughs> no. He didn't respond. Didn't even fucking courtesy of a feck off. Uh, so yeah, we talked about his website that was basically uh, um, what was it? A, a news and information site about his presidency, but you could invite him to events. But following on from that, in the next couple of hours of us recording this podcast, uh, the Facebook Oversight Board, which I never heard of, is oh the biggest joke of all time. They're yeah, yeah. announcing if he is allowed to post again on Facebook. Um, they're gonna leave him back on. Do you think so? One hundred percent. Facebook. This is the antichrist of all. So it's different to Twitter. So Twitter, he's gone. Yeah. But Facebook, his page is still active. He's just not allowed to post. So yeah, people yeah. are allowed to go on and comment on previous posts or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But basically, this Facebook Oversight Board, which was only set up last year, is basically like. Um, so I think I have it here. It's basically an independent group of experts from all around the world and they're tasked with reviewing major content decisions. Basically something not drunken pictures on a Saturday night that got a report or a ban. This is stuff that um, is affecting a lot of people in terms of uh, religious and political hate speech, uh, violence, racism, COVID misinformation was one of the main reasons this was set up. 
but they're basically sitting down and discussing whether he should be on it or not yeah like they've been in place for a year what have they done they've done nothing there's still a huge amount of misinformation about COVID there's oh, still a yeah. huge amount of online bullying harassment um, they've done nothing mm. um, Messenger for Kids is still active as far as I'm aware um, they launched they announced a couple of weeks ago I think we had it on the podcast that they were launching Instagram was it Instagram for Kids or something along those kind of lines like so this oversight committee isn't exactly doing anything like you mean and even if they do allow him back on like there's there's many elephants in this room here that they've completely ignored like if they do it it'll be because they want the good PR and publicity out of it and they'll ignore all of the bigger issues that are going on and it'll be all the Facebook oversight committee are doing their job these guys aren't doing their fucking jobs at all like Mm. simple as that Apparently, I thought when I first read it that you know the oversight, the Facebook oversight board. I thought they were a committee that work for Facebook or whatever. You know, they kind of a top level thing. Much, well, they pretty much are. No, but well, according to their website, Indep- no, it must be true. Independent. They are. They're funded, by, funded by an independent trust, <coughs> Zuckerberg, and supported by an independent company that is separate from Facebook, and its decisions are binding. It sounds like Judge Judy at the end of it. Um, so yeah so basically they're, they're deciding so we'll probably have that on next week what the decision was so we're they'll putting, let him back on bets down. Thank you. they'll let him back on he's back 100%. on 100% okay. let him back on back on again and even if he's not like I mean they should keep him off because like with the presidency as bizarre as this might say he did have some constraints on him like there was obviously people in his ear going you cannot say this you cannot do this now there was a limit to that because you saw how quickly like he basically incited must, a riot in the capital like, like, I, I always just laugh if you were like, the head you... of security for him you were like this guy is fuck like I'm trying to I want a raise I want exactly yeah yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I always laugh when you think about you know his his digital marketing advisor whoever it was you know I couldn't even say social media manager because he was doing it himself apparently but could you imagine every time you're sitting in the lobby thinking he's in the bathroom with his phone? What is he doing? What's he do doing you know, now? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what, what's he going to say now? <laughs> but, oh, completely. But no, he's, da- he's dangerous. Like, I mean, the, the thing here is that there is now in America a very, very heavily armed and aggressive far-right movement. And they are still very much supporting him. And it may not necessarily be him is the next president even though I'm still convinced if he's in good health he will run again um, so we talked about it here it's, it's, it look like his daughter is probably going to line up to go oh for Jesus it isn't she Christ almighty oh fuck it so, anyway um, but like I mean the, the problem here is that even if he is in president okay he can't make decisions but the problem in America isn't necessarily polit- or policy decisions it's this ideology which is running through that country and dividing it mm. and as long as you have the Facebooks and your Instagrams and your WhatsApps and your Twitters of this world allowing for this incitement of hatred online, these divisions are only going to get deeper and they're going to get worse. Now, I would also take some credence in the argument that, well, these divisions are, are always existed and social media just now allows people to communicate those outwards. But I mean, look, there's loads of studies there around polarisation. So we spoke about loads of other podcasts. I'm not going to go into it again, but um, no, I reckon they'll leave them back on. We'll see what happens next week. So following on another Facebook news, they are now testing. We talked about this early door or, or early podcast with ourselves about, I can't remember what they were doing, but basically Facebook are bringing out a, they're testing at the moment, video speed dating app called Sparked. It's a new one coming out. So they're, what's your, what's your thoughts the on that? consultants spent about 40 seconds coming up with that name anyway. Sparked, yeah. So what does it do? What's the difference? It's basically either? Facebook's internal house uh, team. Basically, they're an experimental team. They're working on it at the moment. It's basically going to give you a four-minute speed video dating in front of someone. And if that goes well, you'll be scheduled for a 10-minute uh, second date. And after that, it's what's interesting is it's actually specifically pushing you towards exchanging contact information, but via Instagram, email, or iMessage. It's not, it hasn't... It's pushing you more down the Instagram. Email, I, email or iMessage is what they came out and said. But, but I Instagram thought it was all vi- I thought it was all video based. It's video, but but giving your information like so, it's, it's not done through your main Facebook profile. It's like you have to have a profile to create as a, a separate profile on this app. Yeah, but the follow-on connection side of things when you actually connect with someone, it's actually being done through Instagram. They're trying to push people down Instagram well, instead sense. of Facebook. So it's interesting, but um. But yeah, no, they're they're going down this route. I think it's it's they're definitely taking up on the video side of it. It's all going to be video. We talked here before about dating app, like normal, like a Tinder kind of version of it. You know, it's but this is purely down the video. That is so. It, it's it is an interesting differentiator because like 
even and I don't use dating apps um because I can't <laughs> so 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 but you if, nearly said but that if, seriously there but if, but if but if but if you said I am socially incapable of talking to anyone even over a screen but if you have but if you have um if you're flicking left and right so mm. it's again with with um, with Tinder it's done purely based on it's hot or not right yeah I'm attracted to this person not attracted to this person with a video one there's an element of if you're putting a video of yourself up online saying my name is Dave and I like marketing. From what I got from this though, it's actually live. You're actually talking to someone for free. it's a speed. No, day. but I presume that I presume that you have an initial video which is kind of an introduction to yourself, and then if you, I don't think oh no, so. it's all live. Like no, I think it's you're planted in front of someone for four minutes to talk like a normal speed dating situation, and then if that works, you're scheduled in for another ten minutes. So there's no. Is from what it could be totally wrong, but that's what my I gathered from. I t- it. Like I like I think like as a dating platform would work, as in in terms of it, it it's cle- it's very clever. Mm. I can see how it would work better than something like Tinder, which is basically people. A lot of people on Tinder are just swiping left and right to see how many people think that they're not the ugliest person in the world, right? Mm. So there's oh yeah, these many people like me. I'm not going to message any of them, but I've gotten the social affirmation that I need, and therefore I'm happy to move on. Whereas if you're doing it on video there's an element of buy-in there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there's probably something more kind of, um, there's probably something probably a bit more immersive about this. Um, now, like, as well as that too, you would imagine that it's probably, it's going to match you with people who are very aligned to you anyway because Facebook obviously is all your data, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to know that this person's into sports, this person watches this kind of, um, this kind of film, this person spends X amount of time with their friends and so on and so forth. So therefore you would imagine the algorithm that is going to match people up is going to be quite powerful. So then if you have this video element built into it as well, I can see how it could work. Um, I'd say Tinder are worried. I'd say Bumble are worried. Um, see, but see, it's not, it's not so much that it's a new platform launching onto the market. You have the backing of Facebook. If Facebook say we're going to do this, then all of a sudden the market cap of all those companies just falls to yeah. the roof overnight. Like it's know? interesting when when they launch their own apps, like you know, or get behind another, another app with the money they have. It's not it's not a new, you know. We've seen so many come and go in the last couple of years, you know, that they just fall by the wayside. Like you know, even yeah. this whole thing of Bebo is meant to be starting back up. Like you know, it's very quiet to start back up. There was huge hype about it a few weeks. Ago. Oh, I'm on. I'm all for it. You're all for I'm it. all for Aren't it. You have to be invited. Do you want to be in my second? Do you want to be in my second half? No, you're right. Do you want to be in my top? My top six. Had enough to have to listen to you every week. <laughs> but <laughs> but no. uh, one person that could try the uh, try the app, uh, uh, they could give him a go on it. Is uh, Mr. Bill. 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 Um, oh, Bill's after getting. He's getting a Bill divorce, Melinda, isn't, he? isn't it? Jeff, yeah. they're getting a divorce. The second tech tech titan, because Jeff. Jeff. Oh, he went um, a couple of weeks yeah, ago, didn't yeah, he? No, a couple of ads, about a year ago, I don't want to say at this stage. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it must be like, like if you read, like they said, we're still going to work each other and the Bill and Melinda, I think it's Melinda, I think it is. Bill and Melinda, the, the Gates Foundation. The Gates yeah. Foundation, That's, stuff uh, like that. fully I mean, funded by I mean, Warren Buffett. I mean, they kind of really painted a picture of, oh, this is grand and rosy in the garden and, fuck, do you know, all the rest of it. Like, I mean, like it must be, it's a lot different getting a divorce when you're a billionaire than He's you are. worth over 134 billion yeah so I mean look it could, it could be for tax purposes oh, is it? <laughs> who knows I don't fucking I don't know that. I don't know Bill Gates and Melinda Gates fucking relationship big, like big decision for tax yeah. purposes but to be fair as well like on, on, a, on another serious note and you could see it like someone who's been in business for as long as they have been because it's a, it's a double act right there's no way that there is someone involved in Microsoft where it's not a double act and same with um, Jeff Bezos and his wife I cannot remember what her name is um but apparently she was heavily involved in Amazon, particularly at the start, but then the running of it as well. Mm. Um, but when you have high power couples like that, which are solely driven by business, you can see how the relationship element of that obviously is. Im- and we've all seen, like, you I mean, there's people who are married to the job and the relationship just does not sustain itself after a number because you're dedicating. So, and if, and if you're running again, two of the biggest companies in the world, yeah. like it's gonna take an impact. Every it's so not, it's not small that local so, business. No, like, no, no, no. It's not that. Like it, it's not that. Um, it's not that surprising. I don't think. Um, and I've nothing else to comment on it. Nothing else to comment on. No, I mentioned there about Warren Buffett. Actually, um, he donated something like a third of his wealth to their foundation basically to get them up and going off the ground yeah, like I'll donate a third of my wealth but I don't have fucking 100 billion left over a, like. no, I was going to say it's actually there's there's clips on YouTube and stuff of the two of them they're actually great friends but um, just sitting down for chats about business and stuff like that they're actually really interesting to watch 
So, what are the news of you, Gosh? There was actually, just before we on the dating stuff there, I thought this is a very outlet. apologise now for all of our... Um, Think about it before you say For it, all man. of our, our international uh, our international audience, but there was something came out there uh, last week. It was the Catholic Church, the Bishop's Council for Education, was after releasing their new sex education fucking policy for primary schools. Jesus fucking Christ, welcome to 1943. <laughs> like, it was fucked. It was a disgrace. I couldn't believe it. I was reading it, and I was kind of going... Because you forget... Oh, you having the top You up, forget you? how bad <laughs> primary school was for that type of thing. George just so... Fuck it. Like, it was incredible. I was reading this going... This is, like, we are still... As a country who's meant to be going in the right direction, we are still so far behind. There was one line I tweeted about, actually, and I only got one like. I fucking got it. I, it, was, uh, it, it was one line in there, which was... Um, Sex is a gift from God, something like that. Oh, I seen you. Too, I, I responded, yeah. "Well, God would want to revise his gift-giving policy fairly fucking sharpish after the year that us single Pringles have gone through with COVID." I mean, for the love of Jesus, can you imagine teaching a fucking 12, 13 year old this? Like, of course, you're not going to grab their attention. You know, Sex education this week. <laughs> in this school, in this country, is an utter, absolute abomination. It's not something we're going to fix on social antics. <laughs> we should, we should start a campaign right here, right now. No, we've done that enough. Before there was, we're another, yeah, there was, there, there was, an, there was another line in there about um, they're not going to mention the LGBT crowd at all. They're going to say. These couples may exist in the same way that Jesus would, I assume. Do you know what I mean? Like, may exist. It's just, fuck, I I was reading it. And again, I don't really look at, like, I don't spend, like, I am an educator, right? So this stuff, I looked at it and I was kind of like, has education moved on? And I was like, no, it hasn't. It's still as bad as it ever was. It's an absolute fucking joke. Like, do you remember those terrible videos? I do. They I were do. appalling. Like, they, they were, were so. I say, looking back, they were the funniest things of all time. Like, oh my we'll god, have a look for next week. Any other news there pop up? We'll move off that fairly quickly now. Oh, fuck it. I, me, 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 notes are, me notes are flying all over the place here. Give me two seconds there now. It's very unprofessional. I'm it's out of practice. Very unprofessional, yeah. Out of practice. Um, so, interesting. We mentioned it a few times, but. Um, Deliveroo so yeah. obviously it's a big year for them because um, it was really the year that they needed to prove that we can make this profitable mm-hmm. because there was going to be so much traffic going onto their app so they experienced year on year growth um, of 114% for Q1 of uh, 2021 with 71 million orders in total and 30 million across uh, Ireland and the UK now importantly with this which I think is important for their overall valuation and their their um, their IPO plummeted the first day by about 30% it was, see, it was seen as like the worst ever IPO for a relatively yeah. well known company like you're just completely tanked um, but their active customer base has increased to about 91% now the biggest problem that Deliveroo Uber Eats Just Eat and all these have is that they're basically kicking the shit out of each other in terms of their advertising spend yeah. and that is just completely cannibalizing the market and every single I think Just Eat might be making a small profit but Uber Eats are losing billions. Uh, Deliveroo, I don't think it's billions they're losing, but it's in the multiple millions anyway um, that they're losing every single year. And I think it's very, very interesting that even in an environment whereby you could say that the, the market was capped in terms of like you will never get an opportunity for more people to be having deliveries ordered to their house yeah. than during a pandemic. And even within that they still couldn't turn it into a profitable enterprise. And I think the stock market is now showing that. Like investors are going, this is not a viable business. So it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years is, is there a consolidation there? Does, do one of these companies go and then Just Eat or Uber can um, can take basically over. take up yeah. the slack there? Um, and uh, like we saw, um, we saw Grubhub were acquired there as well um, a number of um, a number of months ago, and again, I think there will be a bit of consolidation in that market um, over the next uh, over the next number of years because there's no way that they can keep on sustaining the losses that they are when it's kind of been proven during a pandemic. Said, that yeah, it's, it, it was their year to shine and it didn't happen. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, in, in reality, they're going to drop off. Like, but like when things open back up, people are going to go back out into the oh, clubs 100%. and the clubs. Like you know, so. They're not going to. Um, their numbers are going to drop. They're going to see the numbers fall. They are, yeah. Like I mean, their whole idea is that if we acquire enough users, over time our customer acquisition cost drops. Our order, um, what do you want to call it, order kind of value increases per um, reservation to acquisition cost, and, turn, and then lifetime value increases over time. But they're not showing it. They're just not. Um, so it's gonna be. Um, 
to be interesting to see how that market consolidates itself over the next um the next couple of months. Mm, interesting. Um, anything else pop up? Um, another business model kind of one. Um, board work come a long way from Facebook dating. Um, <laughs> but the Tesco business models are interestingly so the year on year revenue is up about seven percent. No surprise there. Mm. Retail has done very very well the last year since COVID. Apparently um, last. What did I hear today? Last month was the busiest month in retail since uh, since the start of the pandemic. Was last month. Doesn't surprise people barbecuing and all yeah. the rest of it. They're they're starting to. And I think that's gonna. I think that might sustain itself a bit. It had, like uh, you know, the first the start of the pandemic was the busiest. Obviously, with everything was going out of stock. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, but since then, last month last month was the busiest. And I can see I can see certain. And I'm not one of these people that says, "Oh, it's never going to go back to normal." It's going to go back to normal-ish like yeah. do you know what I mean this is not gonna this is not gonna sustain but there are certain lifestyle things that have changed that I think are gonna impact upon people's kind of leisure consumption in the future so the amount of people that I know for example who've learned how to cook over the last year mm. um, or who would never have had for want of a better word dinner middle class people call it dinner parties I call it a couple <laughs> of lads coming over for a couple of cans but like I mean exactly yeah <laughs> so like I mean the there's a there's a very very kind of an interesting kind of lifestyle dynamic there where people think will opt for the more home-based yeah. consumption than going out all the time i'm not saying that they're going to completely switch in this direction but i think there's going to be more of that happening and because of that i can see the kind of increase in revenue um in the retail side of things kind of sustaining itself but re- interestingly even though their revenue is up the operating profit is down about 14 percent now there's there's a couple of reasons for that one the cost of operating under covid so obviously with your hand sanitizers, yeah. cleaning, extra staff and so on and so forth. That's one element of it. But also obviously e-commerce businesses are less profitable than traditional bricks and mortar um, uh, retailers. Particularly when there's a hybrid model going on there where you're still paying for all of the front of house stuff. But then you've also got the reduced margins in terms of delivery costs and so on and so forth. So And advertising and stuff like that. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see in the next number of years particularly amazon and amazon go and stuff like that like the middle bit of the store hasn't really been innovated in at all um for the last like god knows how long like just the middle bit of the store like in the back end you've got all your edi the front end you've got your contactless um tills your your people list tills and all the rest of it i'm sure there's a technical name for that <laughs> self-service, um, checkout. self-service <laughs> checkout that's the one it's been a long it's been a people-less long tills. it's been a long <laughs> pandemic and my brain doesn't work anymore but the um the i think really interesting so one how these companies innovate in terms of their e-commerce offering um and then also are they going to do anything to start competing possibly with amazon if amazon now we don't know yet really are amazon going to kind of roll out on a global scale this amazon go thing um but is there going to be innovation in the central bit of the store um beyond what's kind of there at the moment and that's going to be interesting um, and you can even see it now with a lot of them um, like your duns in particular are going very experiential like they don't want people ordering online they want people in the store buying more effectively because it changes the whole strategy if you're if you've got and let's just let's just take a, let's just take the 15 percent of the market order their groceries online and i picked that figure nowhere if you have a scenario whereby you have your shopping list and you save that shopping list there's no opportunity there for surplus buying necessarily mm. or impulse buying i should say so therefore the brands that you would have been loyal to at the time when you created that list you kind of stay loyal to because you're not picking out your list every week you're just reordering so therefore that changes the whole strategy that brands need to have in terms of how do we get ourselves in front of these consumers to either switch their behavior or what do the retailers do to encourage impulse purchases cross-sell upsell and so on and so forth so i think that is going to be an area of strategic focus over the next number of years in terms of how that's going to that's going to change things in terms of opening back up there you reminded me i saw a thing during the week um about uh, pennies that they're offering uh, appointments that you can you want to their system now basically the next level of opening back up for them was to do appointment based shopping like go in there and say 
finest one euro socks please i'm going to try them on and parade myself i was just amazed at how is their how is their website going to handle the amount of people that go to out of nowhere just to book an online appointment like i don't that. look i don't it's going uh, I, I think yeah. it's great bit of publicity for them no i like week, i'm but. working i'm working with a brand at the moment and they they will be starting to do appointment bookings and stuff like that but it works because it's a high-end women's fashion brand um yeah but only not, getting the numbers that pennies get like oh no but that, that's why to worry about their no, website no, no, but that, that, that's my that's my point though like it makes sense for certain businesses thousand people exactly, within yeah. 30 seconds see, click on see how it works yeah would you would you book into pennies to get a kind of a lifestyle part i don't know maybe you would personal shopper personal security guard following your own time you get like, I think, like i think pen like pennies is the one thing now that as a consumer of the hospitality industry um pennies now made me mad like like when you had the pubs and the cafes closed and you but saw you the absolute pandemonium yeah. inside in primark or pennies primark. you were just like primark you're getting very posh Pri- isn't prim- primark it is, is pennies yeah, well, it's pennies here it's not primark oh there's a primark out in man point isn't there what i thought there was maybe there is no, there's no primark across everywhere else Pennies oh, in Ireland. So, yeah, yeah. so Primark, so Primark is Protestant pennies, basically. Exactly, we we'll stick with that. <laughs> so yeah, the other one then, which was okay again, I think it's kind of a sign of the times more so than anything else. But uh, Hot Post Thirteen has been discontinued by Diageo in uh, the UK. No harm they could do it here as well. It's rank. It is, but I think like I mean the interesting thing about that is like or there was a period there where like Carlsberg brought out Carlsberg unfiltered and you'd hop out, and they were basically the, no. I I been a while now since I drank Carlsberg, but. It's been a while since I drank Carlsberg. Like, yeah. <laughs> but isn't Carls- isn't their whole drink changed? They don't have a regular Carlsberg anymore. Am I right in saying that? No, they have Carlsberg. Do they? Yeah, they talk- do, but yeah. they but they had a huge push on the un- the unfiltered. Yeah, yeah, they like, did. Yeah, yeah. But that was aligned with like they all did it where they tried to bring out a kind of a craftyish ah, yeah. kind of alternative. Have been the most added, like, exactly. Yeah, and I think yeah. like I think that there's a. Lot- it's interesting Hop- that Hop House was the first real. It was yeah proper kind of craft brew from a major, just you know. A craft brew from I'm one of the world's think, yeah, biggest companies. I'm trying to think of the right way like, of even yeah, yeah. saying it. Like, yeah. But uh, I thought it was absolutely disgusting. But they done it very cleverly when they brought it out first. I was working actually in the bar up in Dublin when it first came out. And they literally, the money they pumped into bars to, to plaster it everywhere was phenomenal, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. The, oh, no. And like as a marketing exercise, you can see how it would have worked for a yeah. while. But I think what I think what's another thing is interesting, and this is more of an observation than anything that I've got kind of data research on, but... When people have been drinking at home and they've been going into their off license, I think people actually started educating them a little bit more about the different types of craft beers. Mm. And this has resulted in the non-craft craft beers like your hop houses being really, really damaged. Because, um, like, I mean, if you take, like me, for example, I wouldn't have really been a consumer of, like, Brewdog or White Wolf or any of these rascals, any of these kind of Irish, well, not Brewdog, is an Irish, but... Um, any of these kind of craft Franciscan brands Franciscan well well they're owned by that's Molson say, yeah, not the, craft but, route, but, but, but that's the interesting thing is that they maintained that small they field. did yeah. the, it, it's still it, it was an acquisition rather than a brand that was created and I wonder is that kind of a sign of where things are going to go into mm. the future given that this brand has has kind of has died effectively mm. yeah finally um, the and this is in my wheelhouse European Super League have you been have you been keeping any attention on it given that you're a sports enthusiast like yourself yeah no i saw something about it during the week and i i haven't a clue what happened so basically i think (laughs) look it's it's an interesting one i won't spend it because i could spend a whole podcast talking about this but like i mean switch off my and you'll switch off your straight away you might as well turn turn it off now just let me yap away next week lads basically (laughs) (laughs) but basically you had a scenario whereby do you know what actually Let's just get in a guest and talk about it instead. I'll get one of my football friends on and we can talk about it. Because me trying to hop this off you is going to be a complete a fucking disaster. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, fair enough. We get European Super in. League will talk about it in a couple of weeks' time. And we're way over time anyway, aren't we? We are, yeah. I've enough of listening Thank to you. Fuck for that, yeah. We, we call it quits. Thanks very much for everyone for, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. See you later, guys.